We talked about Donald Trump's platinum plan. It was only two pages, so it didn't require a lot of time. But now we're going to dive into Biden's Lift Every Voice plan, which is about 16 times longer and will require a few shows to fully digest. So let's get digesting. This is Lessons, Lessons from, from the, from the from Screen. screen. John Boy. John Boy. Welcome to Lessons from the Screen, the show where we give you a review of whether or not any information that you can get is worth your time. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to, and you are always welcome. Lessons from the Screen is still sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist advocacy and think tank organization with increasing the quality of life for black people in America through education, the culture shift, and economics. You can check them out at www.pactsinc.org. That is paxinc.org. Go on over to the website, show your support, check out the Learning Center, leave a review, leave a comment, leave a survey, do what you can to help them, because they're doing what they can to help you, and let's go ahead and get into it. So today we are talking about Joe Biden's Lift Every Voice plan, and this is going to be a multi-showed series. So let's go ahead and get started. The theme of the Lift Every Voice plan is stated in the first paragraph along with Joe Biden's major point of appeal to black people. He is running for president to rebuild our economy in a way that financially brings everyone along and that starts by rooting out systemic racism from our laws, our policies, our institutions, and our hearts. It goes on to state that this mission is more important now than ever before as the health and economic impacts of COVID-19 have shined a light on and cruelly exacerbated the disparities long faced by African Americans. In April 2020, Biden called on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to collect more data regarding how COVID-19 is affecting communities, including breaking down its impacts by race. And so I feel like those statements are important. Well, the calling on uh, what he did as far as the CDC, I feel like that's important because it showcases that this is a political document. Uh, the CDC, there were elected officials and plenty of other people in the community calling for the CDC to do what they did. And so they did it. But this, you know, kind of makes it out like, you know, he was one of the reasons why they did it or they were heeding his call when he was a part of the choir. Um, so it, it to me, it clears you in that this is going to be a political document that is going to be talking about uh, talking about things that are very favorable to Joe Biden in an even more favorable light. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that goes in accepting that Joe Biden is a politician running for office. But a lot of people, from what I'm seeing, are reading these documents and taking them at face value as if they are the news, the gospel or some sort of fact that, my dear friends, should be avoided at all cost. But the second point here is that. He draws special attention in that second paragraph to African-Americans, to black people in America. And in the first part that I read, he speaks about his goal for running for president and his appeal to black people being to build up an economy that brings everyone along 
and rooting out systemic racism from our laws, our policies, our institutions, and our hearts. Those are the measuring sticks that we should measure the rest of this plan by. Those are the things we should consistently come back to. The fact that he is putting this together for black people specifically, and the fact that he is talking about ways of creating institutional change in terms of policy, in terms of laws, in terms of institutions, in terms of systems, and in terms of people's hearts, which, you know, good luck with that. But he's talking about making institutional change to these structures in such a way that it will be beneficial to black people. Now, remember, this is not a Joe Biden plan for all minorities. This is not a Joe Biden plan for all of America. This is his plan. This is his appeal to black people. And so as we read through this, we I feel like it has to be reiterated time and time again. That is the measuring stick that things have to be measured by. So the document goes on to make a pretty good accounting of the troubles that the black community faces. And it really does a great job at listing out the problems during COVID and with the response effort. This accounting is complete with links and this document should be read if for nothing else for this section alone. Uh, being someone that is self-employed though, I and several of my friends and associates can speak to the difficulties that we face attempting to gain access to COVID relief resources, being black business owners, especially those, all of us have had our businesses dramatically impacted by COVID-19. And all of us have had an astonishingly difficult time gaining access to resources that politicians were swearing up and down was gonna be easy to access. And of course, now we know that black people all across America were largely shut out from those relief efforts. But that's neither here nor there. I just, to put it simply, I don't know a single black person that gained access to enough of these resources. And nearly everyone I know is self-employed or works for themselves or, or owns their own business in some capacity as an independent contractor or whatever so and i know that's all the same thing but i've had people try to nitpick the differences with me before so now i'm just covering my bases so i don't know any black person that gained access to these things and despite all these links to wonderful outside resources and all of that beautiful stuff that's linked in this document when it comes to what joe biden has done about it instead of leaking to an outside website regarding an article or a video showing him talking about it or something in the real world it links to another part of his campaign page regarding a plan of what he would have done if he was the president referred to as the make it work checklist and that checklist itself is a different topic for a different day. But suffice to say that even though this article does a this this plan does a wonderful job of outlining all of the problems that black people have faced in America with dealing with the pandemic and the pandemic response. When it comes to what Joe Biden can tangibly say that he's done, provably incredibly say that he's done about it, the answer is nothing. And I, I wish he would have 
left it at that and just said, yo, this is jacked up. I'm going to do better if I get elected. Instead, he tries to point at what he has done. And what he has done is the same thing that everyone else has done, which is talk about it. I feel like that has to be called out. Now, I know there are a lot of people that are like, yeah, well, you got to give him credit for speaking out. But did he really speak out, though? He's linking to a page on his website where he has a checklist for what he would have done. I don't really want to give him credit for that. And I'm not going to. Now, that being said, some of the stuff in the checklist look nice. But that's it. Like I said, the checklist is not a part of the scope of this show. Suffice it to say here, and I am going to keep reiterating this as well. Joe Biden's plan is miles and 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 miles better than Trump's plan. It's not even close. It's not even debatable. It shouldn't be debated. It's not up for debate. It's not even up for discussion. His plan is by far in a way more contains more substance and more content than Trump's plan did. My man Joseph Ward, who I do the who I do the uh, Freedom Train podcast series with, has been joking for months or for uh, at least a month that the Trump plan is an infographic. And it essentially is an infographic. It's a flyer. It's not a plan. It's a flyer. And if things are true that Cube helped him with that plan, that's not a good look for you, Cube. It's really not. But that's also a show for another day. You guessed it. So the plan then moves on to talk about what he's done for black people during his time as a politician, including the co-sponsoring of the Civil Rights Act of 1990, a bill that was vetoed by President Daddy Bush and whose veto Congress failed to overturn by one vote. If only one more Republican had voted yes amongst the only people to vote no, which were Republicans. Anyways, this was clearly a partisan issue, but it also serves to point about why the PAC's political report card doesn't include bills that don't become law in its political report card. Because politicians will try to take advantage of votes that didn't become law, allowing them to score points with the community for voting on messaging bills with no chance of becoming law and getting points for essentially not doing anything. Now, while this law did, in fact, have a chance to become a law, a slim, slim, slim one. Uh, I won't say a slim, slim, slim one. It did have a pretty healthy chance of becoming law. The fact of the matter is it did not. And so you can't, in my opinion, again, and we have to hold these people accountable for the changes that they've actually made. We're far beyond the point of giving you credit for what you tried to do if you're a politician at this point in terms of your impact on the black community. We have to begin to stand on and ask these people, no, what have you done lately? Real world, tangible. But in any case, the 19, the 19, uh, the 90 civil rights, civil rights law would have made it easier for plaintiffs to win civil rights legislation. Now, he also talked about multiple renewals of the Voter Registration Acts, the Voter Rights Act, something that seems good on the surface. But when you look into it, for those that haven't and are wondering why the law needs to consistently be renewed, uh, 
Well, only certain special sections need to be renewed. The parts of the law that mandate the right to vote and assistance for those that need it are permanent. The ban on tests and other tools used to keep people from voting are also permanent. What needs to be renewed are the sections regarding providing voting materials in languages other than English, something that black folks don't have to worry about by and large in America because we are all by choice are not pretty fluent in English. The ability of the attorney general to assess federal examiners to jurisdictions to ensure equal access and opportunities to vote, which is a good thing in theory, but given the current political climate, I could very easily make a case for why it is not helpful for black people for this attorney general and this administration to be able to appoint federal examiners tasked with ensuring equal access and opportunities to vote. I don't even have to get deep into that because that's something that's understood. Uh, Pre-clearance which means the jurisdictions have to get permission from the U.S. Attorney General or U.S. District Court uh, for D.C. before making changes that affect voting, which is essentially like the last point is good in theory, but I could make a very easy case as to how that's not beneficial for black people right now. And the coverage formula, which is used to determine which jurisdictions fall under the rulings of the other special sections so there's a formula that they utilize to determine uh, who has to adhere to the regulations put forth in the other special sections and again it's kind of debatable regarding its usefulness to black people and very much depends on who is in office in terms of being in congress so you, you take it or leave it on in terms of the usefulness of the sections that need to be renewed and how they will help black people this election or future elections but it also mentions his efforts regarding the fair housing act and mentions his vocal support for dell state which is an hbcu but with all the links provided there are no links for his claim of supporting the hbcu Black people will also note that he doesn't mention the 94 crime bill in here, and that's a subject for another day, one that I feel needs to be addressed because history is being revised and has been being revised for the last 10 years on the 94 crime bill. But because he doesn't mention it in here at this point, I'm not going to get too far into it. Suffice to say, black people asked for that thing. We're happy when it passed, and now we're upset at the results without taking ownership of our part in it the only reason i feel this is important and needs to be said is because we keep asking for things while having little to no roles in their development celebrating when they pass and then blaming others for the result we gotta stop that we've got to stop that if we're going to be asking people to do things for us those people need to be doing things for us that we have crafted and created for them to do for us we can't say we need somebody to come in here and clean up our communities and then blame them for coming in and cleaning up our communities in ways in 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 using tactics that we knew they were going to utilize but i said i wasn't gonna get into it so i'm not gonna get into it
Now, it does mention that race neutral policies are not sufficient to respond to race based disparities. And then it gets into the plan. And thus far, this is actually a good document for those seeking to understand some of what black people are going through, complete with links, as I said earlier. And I'm not taking anything from Biden. He may have grown and developed in his stances on race under President Obama. People can grow, they can learn, they can change. A good opportunity to show that would have been to own up to his failures regarding the black community but political strategists don't really seem to understand much about the average american much less about black people so i doubt he was given that advice and if he was i doubt his staff stood behind the individual giving it to him so there you go in any case his plan for black america will address six things and we're not going to talk about all six of them in this show we're only really going to get halfway into the first one but he talks about so his plan is the first thing is economic mobility and wealth and income gaps the second education and racial inequality in education the third health disparities the fourth justice the fifth voting and equal protection and the sixth environmental justice so let's go ahead and get into the meat of the plan So with regards to economics, it's titled as his plan to advance the economic mobility of African-Americans and close the racial wealth and income gaps. And he starts out by talking about investing in African-American businesses and entrepreneurs and introduces that with the cited source to a Brookings Institute report, which states that 4% of small business owners are black, despite the fact that black people make up 13% of the economy. And that book Brookings Institute report was actually reviewing Yelp reviews. And that report is a whole other thing in and of itself that is outside the scope of this, this, uh, this review of the Lift Every Voice plan. But suffice it to say that you can't use Yelp as a measuring stick because a good chunk of black business owners and black people as potential reviewers are not on yelp now that is backed up by the fact that most of the information from the last census and other sources show black business ownership at twice the levels of those mentioned in the yelp review what can be agreed on is that black people don't make up a large enough section of any type of business owner to be proportional and also that black businesses don't generate nearly enough income to be proportional or to make major changes in the community. He follows the point about small business owners up with the statement that building wealth in black communities requires investing in black businesses and entrepreneurs. Now that is key because it shows that he understands that the way you change the situation in the black community is by investing in the people of the community well whoever wrote this understands that you invest in the people of the community not the buildings not the streets not the 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 product the, the products the projects and the property of the community money has to be funneled into the people that live there that currently live there the plan then moves on to talking about ensuring equal access to credit and capital 
it makes another statement that black businesses are rejected at a rate of nearly 20 percent higher than white owned firms and only receive 40 percent of the requested funding as opposed to set the 70 percent white firms get when they request funding and I'm not going to nitpick these sources because the general statement presented is true that blacks get rejected more frequently and get less money when they aren't rejected. So let's just get on to the action steps. So the plan says that Joe Biden will double funding for the state small business credit initiative. The Small Business Job Act of 2010 was passed by Congress, by Congress, not Obama and Biden as Obama as Biden would have you believe from reading this report was passed by Congress and signed into law by President Obama creating and authorizing the Department of the Treasury to make direct investments in eligible institutions increasing their opportunities for credit a program called the state small business credit initiative or ssbci was created under this banner and funded with 1.5 billion dollars to strengthen state programs that support small business financing now participating states had to leverage ten dollars of new small business financing for every one dollar of ssbci funding the plan claims that $10 billion in funding was created for that roughly $1 billion in state funding given and further says that by doubling the investment from $1.5 to $3 billion, $30 billion will be generated in terms of private sector dollars into small businesses and low-income communities, especially those owned by women and people of color. However, the report that he links to shares a slightly different picture of how the money worked because of the $1.04 billion in funding given out, it only resulted in $8.4 billion in supported transactions, meaning that the ratio wasn't $10 for everyone, but was actually $8 for everyone, which might seem small when you're looking at it in terms of $10, but when you're looking at it in terms of billions of dollars, well, I mean, hey. 8 billion versus 10 billion 2 billion dollars is a lot of money and there is a big difference between having 8 billion dollars and having 2 billion dollars let me just say that especially when you are working on being a hundred air so take what you will from that a 2 billion dollar difference is huge Another point I mentioned here was that the plan talks about how this is going to help black people, but there are two problems with that. The first is that states were allowed to define what, un what an underserved community was for their state, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but let's not pretend like this is something for black people. Remember the measuring sticks. Remember them. Hold them dear to your heart. Hug them. Show them love. Put them to sleep after feeding them porridge and, and and what is it porridge and whey i don't i don't know what it is i'm i don't know anyways that's what i get for trying to quote nursery rhymes and stories that i never read as a kid so anyways yes keep that and keep that in mind let's not pretend like this is something for black people the second issue is even after states pick their own underserved communities only 34% of the total program dollars and 42% of the total support dollars went to those areas. So even after they picked 
the underserved low income low to medium income communities which is how it's defined in the report even after they self-identified these communities which I, were not all black communities they were rural communities they were small towns they were uh, Asian communities they were Hispanic communities again no problem with none of that but this is supposed to be a plan for black America even after they identified their own communities only a third of government dollars went to those communities and less than half of the total support dollars went to those communities and remember this program was supposed to direct funding into those communities that sounds a lot more that sounds like a lot more of the status quo to me it sounds like more of the same than groundbreaking and again i say we have to remember those underserved communities include asians hispanics rural areas and low-income white areas so if his administration is able to double the funding in this program there is nothing to indicate that the money will find its way into the hands of the black community in large enough quantities to be meaningful and again i say after saying all of that which was in in very negative and basically ripping the plan apart it's still a million and a four and a billion and a gazillion times better than what trump has to offer keep that in mind as you're listening to me lean into this thing i have an entire series that i'm going to do potentially leaning into this thing and i did trump's plan in half a show so next he talks about expanding the new market tax credit making the program permanent and doubling the community development financial institutions funding the cdfi now here the plan veers into a similar lane as trump's opportunity zones the new markets tax credit program is a program that was created in 2000 with the passage of the community renewal tax relief act of 2000 to revitalize low-income communities and this essentially provides dollar-for-dollar dollar tax credits to help fund neighborhood development. This program also has a similar attraction rating as the program we talked about in the last section. Because for every $1 the federal government provided, this program attracted $8 of private community capital to the community. But here's the thing to remember. Unless otherwise stated... These programs are not going to provide funding to the people that make up the community. Remember what I was saying earlier about the people. They're going to provide funding to anyone that wants to do something where those people live. Those are two inherently different things. So what this thing does is essentially and will eventually drive up property value and drive those people out we've seen this song and dance for far too long and this new tax program is one of the modern long-running programs that has been used to displace the community when you start talking about gentrification when you start talking about urban renewal or urban revival all of these terms they like to use these are not favorable programs to the black community 
because these programs don't invest in the black community they invest in the places where the black community currently exists eventually kicking black people out of those communities providing new and fresh opportunities for wealth for those institutions that come in early enough and capitalize off the low the low value of everything while black people are there keep that in mind now biden wants to make this program permanent with no real indication that he would advocate for changing anything Biden's plan to double funding for the CDFI or the Community Developmental Fund Financial Institutions is also not helpful to most blacks. This program encourages financial institutions to also invest in economically disadvantaged communities which suffer from the same problems mentioned before. The interesting part here is that in this very plan, it talks about this being a part of Biden's proposal to support entrepreneurs in small towns and rural areas. But the fact is that 78% of the people in small rural towns are white without any real indication as to how these resources will be directed specifically to the black community. We really shouldn't be giving Biden any credit for this promise, which can't actually even be carried out. This is going to require an act of Congress. And so the last point for the day, the plan says that it will improve and expand the small business administration programs that most effectively support African-American businesses. He says that the SBA programs have been and remain one of the most effective ways for black people to access capital and says that he will strengthen these programs. What's interesting is that in this claim, he says that SBA loans were the best chances that black people have to access capital for businesses, which is not true. The most effective tool black people have for business capital, unfortunately and sadly, is personal cash from jobs and savings, followed by networking with friends and family. He even mentioned it earlier in the document. It's been regularly talked about during this pandemic. Black people have been shut out of, of, of government programs, including those run by the SBA. Prior to that, reports were consistently coming out that the SBA was not providing adequate access to capital for black businesses. And I think that a document as heavily sourced as this one, it would have found a source for those SBA statements if it could have and it would have linked to those sources so i feel like that's one that he tried to slip in under the radar the plan goes on to say that he will ensure that the sba has the funding it needs to support black businesses and others during the current crisis and beyond he then points at the fact that trump has proposed repeated heavy cuts to the SBA and programs that do have an impact on the community, even if that impact is muted or ineffective. He also talks about making the Community Advantage Loan Program created during the Obama administration permanent. Another thing that he likes to try to claim credit for, the Obama-Biden administration, which is fine, it's fine, it's political, but it's fine. I'm not going to beat up on him about that. He was the vice president. He was a part of the administration. But 
In any case, the Community Advantage Loan Program was created to increase capital in underserved areas by providing guarantees to lenders on loans given to projects in those areas. The program expired in March of this year, but we have to remember that underserved means all minority communities, veteran communities, white communities, or not white communities, but uh, low-income white communities, white women, business owners, and various things of that nature. So... He almost he he also mentioned the only thing that we have read so far that actually can be done by a president, which is to overturn a Trump memo that made it harder to get the loans by freezing acceptance for new loans for a period of time, increasing the minimum credit score, increasing the wait time for lenders, increasing the reserve requirement, amongst other changes for banks on the back end making it less appealing for them and adding opportunity zones and rural areas to the list of distressed communities that are eligible and we don't know if joe biden would totally undo everything or only undo bits and pieces of it but before he can even undo anything congress has to pass a law making the program permanent and so that is where we are and that is where we stand right now digging into this i will continue to reiterate throughout this show that this plan is more in depth than the trump plan and i'm using the term plan very loosely here pretty much i'm only using the term plan because both of these documents have plan in them and have been spoken of as if they are plans but in real life they're not really plans they're more of a collection of things that i might think about doing if you vote for me but no real indication as to how you're going to accomplish these things. So it's still vastly better than than what Trump put together. It's a lot more in depth. It's a lot more detailed. It provides resources and talking points for some of the things that are being said. And so if I had to rate the two without even, you know, without even finishing this one, by far and away, Biden is winning in terms of what he's produced thus far in terms of actual political production and in terms of actual promises and outlook so you take with that what you will and you take with that what you think it actually means i'm not telling you who to vote for we're going to go over these plans as fair and objectively as possible and which is why the same smoke i came at trump with i'm coming at biden with the exact same smoke if i see something good i'm gonna say it's good i like it if i see something bad i'm gonna say it's trash that's just what it is so i hope you guys tune in next week actually you don't have to tune in next week i keep forgetting we're dropping these things two times a week now so i will see you guys saturday this is lesson from, from the from the screen, screen. John Boyle. So once again, I want to thank you guys for listening and supporting. Remember to share the shows with your friends, with your families, have conversations and have conversations with me as well. Give me feedback on what you think about the shows. Definitely the place that you can find all of the shows is going to be the Freedom Train website, www.freedomtrainradio.com. Look for the lesson from the screen tab. Be sure to support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash LFTS. 
and you can find some of the videos that we're going to be dropping on YouTube on the Freedom Train Network's YouTube channel. You can also support us by going and purchasing the book, The Chasm by Patrick Irvin. You can find it on Amazon or you can find it on the my personal website, www.patrickbirvin, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-K-B-I-R-V-I-N-E.com. You'll find The Chasm there. Um, definitely support us. You can reach me always through internet or through email, Patrick at freedomtrainnetwork.com and be sure last but not least be sure to go to the google play store if you have an android device and get that freedom train network app and that'll give you access to all of the shows up to date you don't have to search you don't have to you get automatically notified and that is the best way to support us and stay in touch with us Definitely check the website if you are interested in becoming a podcaster, if you are a black podcaster that already has a show or is interested in joining the network, we'll take you even if you don't want to join the network, you can definitely go to the website and submit and we are anxious and looking forward to and excited to work with you. Catch you guys on the next show.